often asked if I have any regrets in life. Um, do I regret anything? I, I find that hard to answer because my regrets, if I have any, are small things. They're the, the trips that I didn't take. Um, my senior class, for, for reasons if you knew my senior class would be obvious, was the last senior class I got to take a trip from Perrin High School. Um, and for a long story short, I didn't go. They went to Hawaii, and uh, I took a, a moral stand on why I wouldn't go. And if you want to know about it later, I'll tell you about it later. But I didn't go. And I look back now and I go, man, I could have went to Hawaii and I never went. They're the opportunities I let slip by. Um, anybody know what Bitcoin is? You've at least heard of it. I don't understand it either, but you've heard of it. Uh, back in 2009, I was sitting in my office and an email came across my, my computer screen that offered me to buy some Bitcoin. $25 that all it would take. And I was like... I don't even understand virtual currency. I'm not going to buy this. Fast forward 10 years, that $25 would have been worth $2.1 million. That's a regret. That's an opportunity that I let slip by. I don't regret failures. I don't regret those things that I have completely fallen on my face with. I don't regret the things that um, people would look at and go, well, that wasn't successful because I, I don't regret those things because those are the experiences where I learned. Those are the experiences where I, I have had to do something. Those are the decisions that I had to make. You know, I've, I've made decisions before. I made a decision uh, one year um, to move to Waco. Um, I don't regret it. I shouldn't have done it, but I don't regret it. I, I got there and, and, and my life went off the rails. Um, all of these things, all of these choices form me into the person that I am. They, they, they change me into the, the, the person I am today. You know, at school, when I was going to school, which thankfully I'm not anymore, um, I pray for Spencer every day because he's going to school. Um, the things that I had to learn and the things that I had to do shaped me. When I was finishing up my seminary, I was living in Chillicothe, and I was driving to Abilene for seminary. So I was driving three hours one way once or twice a week. Um, I had to do things differently. I had to get up earlier. And we had to do things um, that we normally wouldn't do. We, we, we gave up on some things, and we, we, we went into debt in other places that we've had to dig ourselves out of. But when we find ourselves looking at our past and looking at the choices we make, we have to ask that same choice. We are continuing this week in our Follow Me series, this series that talks about the true meaning of following Jesus. And of course, last week we talked about the cost of following Jesus and counting that cost and the fact that it's not comfortable, the fact that it will stretch you and change you and, and do all of these things. And this week we turn to the calling of Matthew. And for me, the question that I really look at with Matthew is, will following Jesus change my life? We have, um, have a culture that, that's tended to say that we can follow Jesus and never change anything that we do. As long as I say, I love Jesus, I'm good. 
As long as I say, Jesus is my homeboy, everything works out perfectly because I can do what I want to do and Jesus will forgive me in the end. And that seems to be the overall sentiment of the culture that we live in. But for me, arguably, Matthew was the one disciple who had the absolute most change in his life. When you look at Matthew and his story, you look at someone arguably different from the guys we looked at two weeks ago who were called as fishermen to come and follow Jesus. And so this morning we look at the call of Matthew in in Matthew chapter 9. As we think on the question, will following Jesus change my life? And it says there in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he got up and followed him. While he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came as guests to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel this morning. May the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. I read Matthew's story here, and one of the things that I see is that sometimes the call to follow Jesus pulls us out of our lifestyle. Collector. He, um, just by definition of his profession, it was assumed that he was a sinner. Because we've talked about the, the tax collecting profession before. When we talked about Zacchaeus, the fact that it was the Ponzi scheme, it was the pyramid scheme, that they were cheaters, they tried to bringing as much money as they could in in a very crooked way in order to make themselves rich. And so the fact that Matthew is a tax collector makes it very strange for most people whenever they see this call because he's walking by the tax office. He sees Matthew and he says, hey, follow me. And Matthew gets up and leaves. That is amazing to me that Matthew would just get up and leave because Whenever he gets up and leaves, he's leaving lots of things behind here. He is literally leaving his comfort zone. He's a tax collector. All he's ever known is making money. All he's ever known is the greed associated with that. All he's ever known is is the types of people that he would hang out with. And so here we see Matthew's profession literally changing because when, when Jesus calls him out, I don't know that he could still be a tax collector and follow Jesus. Not in that kind of scheme. Not in the Ponzi scheme that was happening. You know, now, it may not be evil in itself. The things that you do, the lifestyle that you have, may not be evil. It may be just something that that simply gets in the way. It may be something that simply makes you take your eyes off of Jesus. In Colossians 3, 2, we're told there, our minds on what is above, not on what is on the earth. And then he goes through this long list of things that he wants us to put away. You know, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire... Greed, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. All of those things that we're supposed to put away. He says, focus on what's above. And so Matthew, as he's sitting there counting money, doing the things that a tax collector does, being greedy and doing all the things that he would be called a sinner before by the people around him, Jesus says, follow me. 
and he gets up and he walks away. Now, these are the testimonies that people love, right? The testimonies that say, I was, well, as the song said, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. I was a drunk. I was an addict. I was, uh, I was a murderer. I was a thief. But then Jesus came and my life was different. Those are the testimonies we love. We love to hear these things where someone is pulled out in a great big way and something miraculous happens and all at once their life is different. Those are the testimonies that people thrive on. But the truth is, our life may not work that way. For many of us, our testimony is just as powerful because it was that, well, I've been in a Baptist church since nine months before I was born. There are lots of stories and testimonies that work that way. And those are just as powerful when God keeps someone off of that track. When God keeps someone where they need to be. That's a powerful testimony. But the truth of the matter is, when, we, when Jesus calls us, our lifestyle may change. Our comfort zone, we may be pulled out of. Why? Because our lifestyle may simply pull us from the gospel mission. There are times that things that are perfectly fine for us to be a part of pull us away from what God wants us to be a part of. There are times when you have to make a choice in the morning. Do I get up and watch that thing that I recorded last night on the DVR, or do I read my Bible? Do I stay in bed a little while longer, or do I get up and go to that place that God wants me to go to? There are choices we have to make. And when we begin to follow Jesus, when we call to follow Jesus comes, it pulls us out of our lifestyle. Sometimes it'll say, I don't want you doing that anymore. I told you last week, there are times when God will get me and he'll say, I don't want you listening to this kind of music for a season. Just stop. Because, you know, how many of us were teenagers once? Well, we all were teenagers. How many of us were teenagers once who had a broken heart? And we find those songs that make us feel just so bad and take our broken heart and stomp on it and move it all around sometimes the same thing happens in our lives things are going bad and we turn to music that is supposed to lift us up but it's that same music that pulls us down there was a country song i think by either reba or barbara mandrell that talked about you know some she knew something that was wrong because you were playing haggard and jones you listen to Haggard and Jones, some of their stuff can be pretty out there, you know. He stopped loving her today. He pined for her for so long, and now he's dead. That's why he stopped loving her. If you didn't understand that song, he doesn't love her anymore because he's dead. That's what happens. And the truth is, we, we find ourselves spiraling down, and so God will pull me aside and he'll say, Troy, I don't want you listening to that. It's not that the music is bad. It's that right now, that's not the place that I want you to be. And so when God becomes to work in our life and the call to Jesus comes, it may pull us out of our lifestyle. He may say, this is something you have to give up right now or forever. That's the hardest. I don't want you to deal with that ever again. I don't want you to watch that series ever again. I don't want you to watch that movie ever again. I don't want you to talk to that person ever again man because following jesus will transform our relationships he'll use the relationships in our life 
to further the gospel. It's amazing how many friends you lose when you start following Jesus. Now, I'm not saying when you start saying you follow Jesus. I'm saying when you start following Jesus. It's amazing how many, how many friends don't want to be around anymore. It's amazing how many people aren't with you anymore and how many people aren't calling you anymore. Whenever you don't live up to what they want you to be, whenever you've decided you're going to go a different direction and they just quit talking because Jesus is going to transform your relationship. He's going to use your relationship and your lifestyle to further the gospel. Jesus says, Matthew, follow me. And he immediately goes to Matthew's house for dinner. Who are Matthew's friends? They're tax collectors. Nobody wants to eat with the tax for the tax man. I mean, no, you're taking my money. I'm not going to spend my time with you. So all of his friends are there. All the sinners are there. That's where he's at. He's in the midst of it. And so Matthew brings Jesus to dinner. Have you ever been guilty of bringing Jesus to dinner? We should all be guilty of bringing Jesus to dinner. Jesus should be at every dinner we go to. But too often we find ourselves trying to say, Jesus, set this one out. i got to talk to these people. But Jesus wants to transform our relationships. He wants to take those relationships and further the gospel message. He's at Matthew's house having supper with the tax collectors. You know, it's impossible to not share Jesus with your friends if you're following Jesus. It's impossible. If, if people can spend time with you and not know that you follow Jesus, you're not following Jesus. That's just the truth. If they can spend time with you and go, um, well, why can't you come out with us on Sunday morning? There's a problem. Because they don't know about Jesus. The truth is, you can't not share him. Man, somewhere along the lines, I feel like us old Christians, I'm an old Christian, we lose the, uh, the fire to share. Remember back when you first met Jesus and you wanted to tell everybody? We had an argument in our house this morning. I had to, I had to teach Shallow um, that his, uh, although his reason, his reason for doing it was good, it was a sin that he did it. Um, I was trying to get ready and then Micah starts screaming because Shiloh's got her money. And Shiloh's going, but I'm going to put it in the offering plate. There are people who need it. And I'm like, buddy, it's not yours to give. But there are people who need it, Daddy. No. When you take someone else's money, even if you're going to put it in the offering plate, Shiloh, it's a sin. It's called stealing. You need to thank Micah for keeping you from sinning this morning. Shiloh has this fire to share Jesus. And sometimes I feel shameful as a pastor and as a dad because I feel like his fire is so much brighter than my fire. Because everywhere we go, Shiloh has one volume. Right, buddy? Now you're not going to speak, okay. He has one volume. He'll say, 
Well, Daddy, they need to go to church. Daddy, they need Jesus. Do they know Jesus? And he's loud. People are looking at us like, oh, no, that guy's fixing to talk to me. I don't want to be invited to church. But where's our fire? It's impossible for us not to share Jesus with our friends if we're following him. Because if we're following Jesus, he's an integral part of our everyday life. People are going to know who we are. We watched a, a show this morning. Have you ever heard of the Torchlighters series on, uh, by, made by, I forgot who it is. It's on Jelly Telly. And that means nothing to y'all. Okay. Um, Jelly Telly is now called Minnow, was put together by the guy who made VeggieTales. And on there, there was a series called Torchlighters. It's an old series that was put out a long time ago. And it talks about all the different missionaries. It talks about all the people who have put their life on the line and, and things like that. And this morning, we learned about Samuel Morris. He was an African tribesman who was in the midst of a tribal war. And his father did not stand up on his end of the bargain he had been beaten, he'd been whipped, he'd been tied to a pole, and they were just about to kill him. They had the spear in hand. When he looked up, calling to his earthly father, and said, Father, please help me. And a bright light shone, and a voice came from heaven as the ropes dropped off that said, Run, Samuel, run. And he ran for miles and days. And when he got to the place that he was, he, he saw a friend who had gotten out, and he, he took him with him to a mission. And he heard a woman there. And just so happens that Sunday morning, she was speaking on the conversion of Saul. And she said, and a bright light shone from heaven. And a voice came. And Samuel jumped up and said, I know that voice. I've heard that. It was Jesus. And the church people all said, sit down, young man. This is church. He said, but I know that voice. And he continued on and he continued to learn and he continued to go. And as he went and as he learned, he said, I want to go back. And I want to share with my tribe Jesus because they'll never know him without it. And so the woman who had brought him to Christ said, well, the person who trained me, his name is, I don't remember his name, didn't matter. Uh, and he's in New York City. He took off running. She said, Samuel, wait. New York City's across the ocean it's way far away he said i don't care all i know is i need to be more trained so i can take this message back to jesus back, back to my people of jesus and he got on a ship and they kept trying to kill him on the ship and he ended up saving the captain and then he got to new york and he found a man who took him to the man and he ended up saving several people there and then they took him to a college to be trained. And the college was fixing to close its doors because they had no more financial support. But Samuel began to tell his story. And his story brought in money. And it saved the college. And they raised up missionaries who when Samuel got sick from overwork and, and, and preaching without a coat on. <laughs> your fault, Joanne. If I die tomorrow, Joanne told me to. Um, and when he died, and he was on his deathbed, and everybody's around, and, and they say, I'm so sorry. He, he, he's crying, and they say, we're so sorry. He said, no, these are tears of happiness, because my father is calling me home. 
And they said, but you'll never go back to, to your people. And he said, my father will raise up people greater than I who will go back and share the message. Man. He talked about his father continually. Everybody would say, who is this father? My heavenly father. Quit talking about your father. I can't. I've done nothing. My father's done it all. It's impossible to not share Jesus with your friends if you're following Jesus. But then I find such comfort in this that Jesus was there, right? Jesus doesn't send you into the place of your temptation alone. He didn't say, Matthew, follow me. Now go home and have a dinner and tell me how it goes tomorrow. Jesus went with him. He went with him into the place of his temptation. The hardest people to hang out with and to love on and to witness to are your friends and family. Right? I don't know why. They should be the easiest. They should be the ones where, where you have no problem saying, you've got to know Jesus. But for some reason, there is that block there sometimes. For some reason, all it takes is one time for mama or daddy to say, I don't want to hear about that. Don't preach at me. And something happens inside. It's, it's easy to, to go back to your, to your friends and your family and be one person when you're with them, but another person when you're at church. But he didn't say, Matthew, go have a dinner and come back. He said, Matthew, let's go have dinner. And he was there. He didn't expect him to have dinner by himself. You know, following Jesus will bring us protection. We don't walk alone. He doesn't think that we're going to go and be by ourselves in any situation. He promises that in John 14. Because he's going to send us a comforter. He's going to send us the Spirit to, to give us the strength and the power to do these things. And so when we go into these situations, we're not alone. We don't walk by ourselves. And on top of that, have you looked around the building... He has given us people within the church to help us. We don't have to walk by ourselves. We heard a testimony this morning. See, man, God's so good. Woo. All these things work together this morning. Because we heard testimony this morning of a church that's acting like the church. A church that's loving on each other, that's walking with each other, that's helping each other through the hard times. That is what it means to follow Jesus. We don't walk alone. That's why we're the hands and feet. That's why we're the body of Christ. Because when He's not here physically, we are. We're here. That's an amazing thing. But something that really stands out to me here, we have to understand in our society, is that Jesus does not deny their sinfulness. Here's the ouch for the day, right? The Pharisees come and they call the disciples to the side and they say, Hey, why does your teacher tax collectors and sinners? Why does he do that? And Jesus <laughs> hears them. And he says, Well, those who are well don't need a doctor but the sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus didn't say, well, they're not really sinners. 
it's not really a bad sin. Jesus didn't say that. We have a tendency to do that, right? Well, their sin's really not that bad. It was just a little while. I just moved that number a little bit on my taxes. It's not a bad sin. It's okay. But no, sin is sin. Is sin is, is sin. And Jesus doesn't sugarcoat it. But it doesn't condemn them either. There's a difference between saying, in judgment, you're a sinner, and saying in love, yeah, they've messed up. There's a huge difference. Jesus doesn't say they're not sinners. He says, yeah, they're sinners. But I've come for sinners. I've come to love on sinners. We do an injustice when we act like the actions of our friends are okay. That's just the truth. You know, I know you've heard it said before. If, if you are on a road and you know that the bridge has washed out three miles down the road and your friends are coming behind you, you're going to stop to tell them the bridge is out. If you don't, you do not love your friends. That's just the truth. So if I look at my friends and say, well, it's okay. God didn't really mean it like that. Yes, He did. It was sin then, it's sin now. It'll be sin always. That's just what God says. But it doesn't mean He loves you any less. It doesn't mean that He, he didn't die for you. The truth is, following Jesus must change your life. It has to. You can't follow Jesus and not be changed. I mean, it, it's, it's a wholly different thing. It's something that happens that... that that changes fundamentally who we are. Because I was once a sinner and now I'm a saint. That's, that's literally what the Bible says, right? I'm not saying I'm a good person. I'm probably still a despicable person. But the Spirit living inside of me makes me righteous. The Spirit living inside of me takes care of all those issues. And I am supposed to strive to live my life in a way that brings glory to God. So that means I seek that which is above, I put my mind on heavenly things, and all this stuff of the world is supposed to fall away. Maybe this morning, you've lost your focus. Maybe this morning, you've been focused on the things of this world, rather than the things above. It's easy to do. You turn on the news. Ugh. I don't even watch the news anymore. I don't even like to get on Facebook anymore. I mean, it's just a whole bunch of negativity, right? Man, I'd much rather focus on the promises of God. I'd much rather focus on that place that I know that I'm going to. I'd much rather be able to, when I get to the end of this world, to have tears in my eyes, not because this world is over, but because God is calling me home. That He has made a way. Maybe this morning you've lost focus and you want to put it back. Now's the time to do it. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to surrender to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken a step to say, I want to follow Him. 
It's not going to be comfortable. It'll radically change you. But it is so worth it. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't wait until this afternoon. If you don't know Jesus, know him now. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, make every need known. Let no one leave here this morning feeling like they had something that needed to be taken care of that wasn't. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. Amen. Amen.